0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our second podcast with the Student Affairs and Services. I have the pleasure to speak with Keith Williams. He's a Senior Associate Director at the Financial Aid Office. Welcome, Keith.
1: Hey, thanks, Michael, for having me.
0: Yes, super excited. So let's just jump right into it. So um, can you just give us a quick background of your experience here at MSU and how long you've been with the Financial Aid Office?
1: Okay, great, great. Well, I came to MSU as a student uh, straight out of high school, Detroit Public High Schools, in 1989, fall 1989 here. Uh, Okay. During my um, second year at Michigan State University in 1990, I started working from the Office of Financial Aid as a work-study employee. Uh, I loved it, got a chance to do different things here. Uh, Did that for three years. Um, As I got closer to graduating with my degree in finance, um, there was a job position open um, in the financial aid office, financial aid officer one. Uh, I applied and was successful here. Um, the thought of it was perfect for me because uh, as an undergraduate student, I was on financial aid here. I was a first generation student here without financial aid. I probably couldn't have made it through uh, Michigan State University here. So the idea of helping students find resources to finance their education was fantastic to me here. So um, I started as a full-time employee uh, in December of 1993, right after graduation here um, as a financial officer one. I did that for uh, a couple years and doing that particular um, part of my job, my job was mainly in the back end, you know, processing tax returns and verification worksheets, things of that nature here. Afterwards, I moved on to a financial aid officer too, where I was able to kind of work up front and deal with the students that were coming in with their own financial aid concerns here. That was a little different for me here because the students that actually come and see us typically are the students that have problems here. The ones that are okay never have to come into our office here. So the very first student I had, I remember, uh, was crying, uh, didn't have any ideas as to how they can pay their bill here at Michigan oh, State University wow. yeah. here. And I was scared mm-hmm. to death. Can not imagine, know?
0: right, it's like your first, like, experience, yes, yes, and then indeed. you get that one, they throw you right into I it. Said, oh, my God, a cry here. But I was
1: able to help <laughs> that student. We figured out, you know, what we can do in order to kind of get past that hurdle. And, you know, a couple years later, I saw that same student walk across the stage and graduate here. So for me, it was totally wow, fulfilling here. That's it was absolutely excellent here. I moved on to some different roles in the Office of Financial Aid here, um, doing some of the back-end systems-related work here and moved over to the um, systems area, um, kind of analyzing data, um, doing some basic programming, kind of self-taught here. Loved that as well here, taking a look at the big picture, kind of seeing how we um, determine how much aid we're going to give to different types of students here. It was fantastic. It was right along the lines of my degree, you know, using um, Excel spreadsheets, things of that nature here. Absolutely loved it here. Got into the uh, management of that systems area actually in 2001 here. So I've been into the uh, management area for like 17 years now here. Great. Kind of overseeing the systems area here. Each year we have about, uh, I'd say, 35,000 of our students at Michigan State University receive some type of financial assistance here. And that includes things such as uh, you know grants, scholarships, uh, student loans, and federal work study here. And so you can see for probably about two-thirds of our population, financial aid is pivotable. Wow, that's um,
0: amazing. I didn't know it was two-thirds. That's a lot. And yeah. I think that's a, kind of going into my question. You kind of are going there in that way. Like, what is the financial aid office? Like, who is their target audience? Who do they serve? Who can apply? Like, who is it mostly uh, directed to?
1: Uh, well, f- f- first of all, it's for every student here at Michigan State University. And I guess that's pretty much across the board other institutions, across the country as well here everyone should complete a financial application here. Okay. And in order to do that, it starts off with something called the Free Application for Federal Student Aid here. Okay. And you basically can just go to www.fasfa.gov, that's F-A-F-S-A.gov, in order to start that process here. doesn't matter whether you're um, very rich or you're very needy here. Mm-hmm. You, should, you should complete the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. Here. If you are needy, there's a good possibility you might qualify for a need-based aid that include uh, grants Work study and/or subsidized loans here. If you're not needy at all, anyone who applies, worst case scenario, will receive a low interest rate, um, unsubsidized uh, student loan, Stafford loan here. So everyone should apply. It's free; it doesn't cost you any money. It takes about maybe a half an hour to complete the form, and definitely you should apply for that here. Excellent. Even excellent. if you, yeah, I was gonna say, even if you don't need the uh, <coughs> loan today, you never know what that might look like a couple months down the road mm-hmm. here. Circumstances change with the student and the student's family, where you know they're just fine today, and, and maybe. Your dependent student and mom or dad is in a situation where the income is less now than it was at the time you filled out the free application for federal student aid here. So initially you didn't need the student loan, but now you might need it here. Yeah, no, so that's everyone a should
0: apply for very it. good point. I couldn't agree more. I think that it's important to just still apply and explore your options, right? Because you never know what could potentially come out. Even if you are offered a certain amount, you can always just accept a certain amount, right? It doesn't have to be the full amount. That's exactly so right. So I like, I so, like
1: that. Yeah, you got it exactly right, Michael. So figure out what you need here. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, at MSU, we have something called um, a cost of attendance here. And that's basically an average cost for an average student to attend um, Michigan State University for one full academic year. So let's just say for a typical undergraduate student, that includes um, tuition roughly at 15 credits per semester here, uh, room and board, a student living on campus with a you know, regular meal plan, a double meal plan, um, also books, and personal miscellaneous expenses here. So you figure out what that cost of attendance is for the uh, current eight year, for fall semester 2018, spring semester 2019. That cost of attendance for a a resident student, an in-state student, that's a dependent student, is roughly around $30,000, let's say for example here. And so we'll take that cost of attendance, the student fills out the free application for federal student aid to FAFSA. And from that, something will be computed called an estimated family contribution or EFC here. So we'll take the cost of attendance less the EFC, and calculate your financial need. And together, we'll put together a financial aid package based on that here, which which may include some need-based financial aid or some non-need-based financial aid in student loans and or parent loans.
0: Okay, great. Quick question on that. So if a student is, like, out of state or, like, international student, can they apply for financial aid and get funds? Is it... Uh, depending on whether you're an in in-state, out-of-state, in terms of the amount, or does right. it all weigh in? Funds
1: based on the FAFSA, really you have to be a, um, a domestic student. So you have to be an in-state student or domestic, out-of-state student. International students are not re- eligible for financial aid based on the FAFSA. But, of course, international students, out-of-state students, and in- in-state students can apply for scholarships here. Okay. But that's one of the things I would say for any student who, who's attending school. You know, be aware of different scholarship opportunities that are out there here. We have a lot of scholarships to go unused each and every year, and most times because students don't know about it. They don't do the homework. You know, mm-hmm. if you go to our um, webpage, just www.finite.msu.edu, click on types of financial aid and go down to scholarships. There's various links that tell you how to go about applying for various scholarships. So, everyone, regardless whether you're eligible financially based on the FASF or not, to be looking for scholarships to help finance his or her education.
0: Yeah, that is so interesting that you bring that up because I understand that there is a lot of scholarships at MSU, and people don't know about them. Students don't know about it. And then I think when they do hear about a scholarship, they're like, man, I'm at a big... The university, there's going to be so many students that are going to apply for it. I'm probably not going to get it. I think if everybody thinks that way, then they don't end up applying. And then those scholarships are just up, you know, for grabs and nobody really takes advantage of them.
1: Right. Yeah. There's a URL and it's finite.msu.edu forward slash searches.asp. You know, you go to that link and you'll see the various scholarship opportunities that are out there here. Okay. Perfect. Typically yeah. for most scholarship opportunities, it's free. All it costs you is a little bit of your time. You know, if you apply and you're not successful, it costs you a little bit of your time you might apply and you only qualify for, let's say, $500. But guess what? That's enough to pay for books for a given semester here. So Oh yeah, I know.
0: mean, if you can get free books through scholarships, that's would be excellent. So you heard it, listeners. There's plenty of scholarships. Make sure to check out the website. I'll make sure to post those links, you know, part of the podcast so you can all go check it out. My next question for Keith is like, when is the best time to apply to the for the FASFO. Like, is it the summer, throughout the year? When is it- That's
1: a great question here, Michael. Um, The answer for fall 2019, spring 2020, the upcoming eight year is right now. The FAFSA cycle started on October 1st, 2018 here. Um, The sooner you apply, the better here. You know, we offer a lot of financial aid based on need, but to be honest, uh, it's really on a first come, first serve type of basis here. So once that need-based financial assistance is gone, you know, you may miss out on financial aid that you otherwise would have been eligible for had you applied earlier here. Okay. So if you are planning to return to Michigan State University for fall semester 2019, now was the time to be filling out the um, financial application. And it's really simple to do. Uh, for new and returning FAFSA filers. just simply go to www.fafsa.gov, FAFSA.gov. here. Start the process right away. You know, if you apply, you'll receive something back from the Department of Education um, saying whether or not, you know, your financial aid application was valid here. Are there any uh, errors that you need to correct? or you're selected for a process called verification and it'll tell you what steps you need to do in order to get that uh, situation taken care of. If, if you are selected for this process called verification at Michigan State University, it's very likely that if you are uh, a dependent student, for example, we might ask you to submit certain documents to our office to verify the information that you put out on the FAFSA here. And that might include tax transcripts for both yourself and your parents from the 2017 tax year and also a verification worksheet here. Once we get out the documents that we need, we'll review those documents and make any updates back to the Department of Education and get your financial aid package finalized.
0: Okay, that's great. I thought it's interesting that you say that because when I was a student here at MSU, I always waited to like February or March because I thought that we needed our parents' income tax to do the the
1: application process. Yes, yeah, that's a great um, question again, Michael. Obviously, you've been through the process. Say a few years ago, the federal government switched to something called prior prior year. And so instead of actually waiting until January to apply, which was the initial filing date, students can actually apply earlier, three months earlier in October here. And so instead Mm. of using the immediate prior year's tax information here, like for example, for fall semester 2018, instead of using 2018 tax information, we're using tax information from 2017 because we know it's already filed here. That
0: makes a lot of sense because when I was applying to graduate school, I'm like, why do they need the years before that? Okay, that makes complete sense. Okay,
1: And one of the benefits for both students and parents is that if you use prior prior year um, tax information, you can use something called the IRS Data Retrieval Tool here, where instead of actually having to go back and find those taxes, there's a link you can link up right with the IRS and draw down that information from your tax year from 2017. 17. Yes, so it makes the process course. a lot mm-hmm. simpler. It's very simple.
0: Involved. And for me, being an out-of-state student coming to MSU back from Texas, I utilized that uh, – Retrieval the IRS thing, and it was the IRS link, and it was so helpful because, like you said, you don't need to all this paperwork. It literally just links it for you. Yeah. so that's an excellent. Yeah, like, the Department tool of Education
1: has done a lot in conjunction with Congress to make the process a lot simpler for students and families here. But again, you know, if in fact uh, any student at MSU is having any trouble navigating the process or have questions, you know, feel free to contact our office here. Our office hours for phone service is basically uh, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 4:45 p.m. here. And for walk-in services, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 4.45 p.m. Our phone number is area code 517-353-5940. And for walk-in, we're located in the student services building right on campus, room 252, second floor, the student services building. Yes, like
0: make sure to check them out because they're, I mean, sometimes it's packed, but it's rarely like, there's, it, it's pretty fast. I've been through the office. I mean, we you sign in, you just sit down, you wait a few minutes, and what I appreciate about the financial aid office, and you're just a testament to that, is that your experience and you have were a Spartan, you came in as an undergrad, you know, you took advantage of all these resources. So you more than anyone knows the, how the system works. And my next question to you, which I've been, I've, I've fallen under this a lot, is when you offer like certain amount of like financial aid or loans Like, how much money should the student actually take? Because sometimes they're offered more than they need. Like, what would you tell them or for the parents that are listening and students, how much money should they actually use or how much should they actually consider taking and for what? Like, what could pop up? There And there's no one
1: answer to that. I would say, you know, even though there's no such thing as as a great loan, you know, really, because loans have to be repaid after the student graduates or leaves school, whichever comes first here. Um, but borrow only what you need to borrow. So I, what I would say for any student or family is to do a budget. Figure out what it's going to cost you to attend Michigan State University as far as your direct costs, which is the tuition fees, room and board here. And also try and calculate your indirect costs here, your books. Uh, when I was a student, one of the things I used to do is always try to purchase used books. You know, I found I could save about $50 a per semester by simply purchasing used books. Now I believe students have the option to rent books. It might be even cheaper here. And as far as those personal miscellaneous expenses, try to control those keep those down to a minimum you know you don't have to necessarily go out to dinner you know three times a month here you know try to control what you spend on laundry things of that nature here and so you can figure out what your actual costs are going to be here then figure out what type of other financial you already have and that might include your your grants and your scholarships right then factor in whether or not you're gonna get a part-time job as a student here you know if i can get a job making you know three thousand dollars a year well, fifteen hundred dollars per semester you know that's that much less i have to worry about student loans here uh, if, in fact, the parents are actually able to contribute some of their out-of-pocket costs towards your education costs, that's also well here. Okay. But take all of those costs, figure out what your budget are. Your budget is, minus those other resources, and then say, here's what I need to borrow in a student loan here, and make that the last resort here. Okay. And so the nice thing about it is it's set up here. If a student has a student loan in his or her package, within StuInfo, the student portal on campus here, they can go to Check Your Rate, and they have options. They can actually um, decline the loan completely accept the loan completely, or accept the reduced amount here, what the student actually needs for the fall, spring, academic year here. So really, I would say for the student and to the family, do your homework, figure out exactly what you need. What we list in your package is just our recommendation here, but really the student and the family knows best what he or she needs to borrow.
0: Okay. For the family who is, you know, considering these loans, do they have access to the website or, you know, a lot of students who come independently to MSU and, you know, they do all of that type of work on their own but for parents that are involved with the process of the loans like do they have access to it
1: or mm-hmm. is it just the student's responsibility no so 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 really um you know it's it's a shared responsibility you know you got the federal government you got Michigan State University you have the student and you have the family um so as far as the parents are concerned if it's a dependent student we have something called a parent loan for undergraduate student a plus loan that the actual parents can apply for there's a credit check involved with that here so they have to pr- pass a credit check here and if they uh, apply for it and are approved for it, those proceeds for the parent loan can go towards the student's educational cost, their tuition fees, room and board, and their books here. Now, what I would say to that is that um, just like with the student loan, as far as the parent loan, do your research first. You know, there's an interest rate associated with the parent loan. There's an origination fee taken out of the parent loan. It's very possible that the family might find another resource that's just as good uh, for financing education as the parent loan. It could be a home equity loan. It could be some other alternative loan from a, a private lender. Do your research, know your terms and conditions, and figure out what is the best case scenario for um, you, the student, and the family.
0: Great. Thank you, Keith. You brought up something earlier today, and I actually was also was able to qualify for work-study. Tell me a little bit more about work-study and who can qualify for it, and is it limited? So do people need to apply for that, or do students need to apply for that as soon as possible? That's another
1: fantastic question. Um, Federal work-study is a need-based student employment program here. So in order to get work-study, you have to first fill out the free application for federal student aid here. Um, There's limited funds associated with work-study. So at MSU, the people that qualify for work-study up front are our neediest um, resident undergraduate students here. Um, Also, returning students that had work-study in the prior year that had earnings on it could qualify for it as well if they fill out the renewal financial aid application and are needy here. But we also have exceptions. You know, there are certain jobs on campus that um, basically say, you know, we want to hire you, but, you know, we require you to have work-study in order to get hired. You know, that type of student should contact our office, and we'll see if we can do something to make an exception here. Um, Work-study is a great tool for both the student and uh, the department on campus is hiring a student if it's an on-campus job because the federal government will subsidize those wages. So let's say, for example, you get a job in the residence hall for an incoming student in the cafeteria, uh, and your wages are, let's just say, $10 an hour. Well, the federal government will pay $5 an hour towards your own wages, and your on-campus employer pays the other $5 an hour. So you're really more of an asset to the department on campus as well here if you have a federal work-study job. But even without that, at Michigan State University, we employ over, I want to say, 17,000 students each and every year. So if a student wants a job on campus, he or she should get a. He can, they can get a job on campus. If They're having trouble. You know, feel free to come and talk to our office, and we'll point them in the right direction here. So, if a student is looking for a part-time employment, definitely, you know, we we think they should have no problem getting a part-time employment job on campus. And, you know, personally, I actually recommend that a student, you know, consider getting a part-time job on campus because studies show that students actually, you know, are in better grades when they have a part-time employment because they have better time management skills here.
0: Yes, sir. I completely agree with you on that. I think sometimes students come as full time students, but they have so much free time. And when you have so much free time, you're not being productive. And I think when you have a part time job, not only is it helping you like build your resume and getting work experience, but you also have a little bit of money in your pocket to kind of enjoy throughout the weekends and stuff. So yes,
1: excellent. I absolutely totally agree. Yeah, and this is just my opinion. This is just my opinion. You know, um, you know, if a student has a choice between getting a job on campus versus getting a job off campus. My recommendation is to really get a job on campus because on-campus employers tend to recognize that you are a student first and an employee second here. And so, you know, although we want folks to be as dependable as possible, but if a student needed time off to study for a quiz or to write that midterm paper, on-campus employers tend to be more flexible with that. Where if you're working at the local mall or the local fast food restaurant and you're on a schedule on Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., they're gonna expect you to be there you know, and so in in their minds, you are an um, employee first and a student second here. Yes, and Th- I that's totally agree.
0: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. and as a student from MSU, as a graduate student here at MSU, I couldn't agree more. I think that we the the staff here and the faculty really cares about the student success. So, I know when if you tell them with time, they're very flexible with that. So, I totally agree. I think if you're a student here at MSU, you should consider getting a job first on campus, then off campus. Mm-hmm. I have another interesting question because I have a lot of friends who sometimes take a little bit more than the ideal four years here at MSU. How much does like financial aid cover and how long does it cover for? Is it dependent on like the time that you're here? Is it an age? Is it credits? Is there even a limit to how much financial aid? You, you can get within your bachelor's degree?
1: Yeah, it, it varies. You know, um, as far as uh, student loans, for example, there's a certain amount you can borrow of the lifetime of your undergraduate career here. Once you reach that point, you know, there's no more Stafford subsidized or unsubsidized Stafford loan for you here. As far as federal Pell Grant, you know, there's a certain time frame you can get that as well here. There's really um, six full semesters of federal Pell Grant here. There's other types of financial aid. You know, some type of institutional aid, like a student aid grant, for example, some of our need-based programs. As long as you're making satisfactory academic progress and you're enrolled, you continue to qualify for it. You know, we have other programs that are designed for, um, you know, some of our students with a little bit more financial need that basically is good for up to eight semesters here. So it varies depending on the actual program here. The way it's set up right now, especially, um, you know, Michigan State University is moving to block tuition fall semester of 2019 here, so for undergraduate students. So what that says is that basically taking anywhere from 12 to 18 credits, you'll pay the same tuition rate here. So it really is advantageous for students to take maybe more credits, you know, beginning fall semester 2019, um, because you're paying the exact same amount for 18 credits as you're paying for 12 credits here. The likelihood of a student graduating in four years is pretty much greater if you're taking more credits and you've been successful academically here. So this is brand new uh, to MSU. It's gonna be effective uh, fall semester 2019 for undergraduate students. And so I would definitely recommend that a student typically, you know, that would take maybe 12 or 13 or 14 credits your full time. Um, if, in fact, you know, you can manage your time and work is, and still do well academically, I would recommend that a student takes a few more credits here. And the likelihood of the student graduating in four years or a little bit more than four years is probably much greater as we move forward. Excellent. And you can do it for the same cost. You can't beat that.
0: That I yeah, know. I was like, wow, that, that didn't sound – I was like trying to make sure I was processing it correctly. That's yeah. so, really cool. So I'll
1: say it again. So basically, effect of uh, fall semester 2019, fall semester 2019, if in fact you are taking 12 credits or 18 credits, your cost will be the exact same. Wow. So That's 12, amazing. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 credits block tuition. Your costs are the same. So it's advantageous for students to take a little bit more credits uh, and, and ideally hopefully graduate in four years.
0: Wow, that that is really, really good. That's excellent. So I guess my next question is, we you know, we're talking about the loans and, you know, how much the limits and stuff like that. And I know there's tons of loans out there that you can get through MSU, outside of MSU. But can for the listeners who don't know that much about loans or that are coming in, what's the biggest difference between, like, the unsubsidized loans and subsidized loans? Like, which loan should they be looking for first when they come okay. to the university?
1: And again, you know, there's no such thing as a, a really great loan here. But subsidized is just that the federal government is subsidizing. They're paying the interest on that loan while you're in school and up until six months after you graduate or leave school, whichever comes first here. So what that basically means for an incoming freshman that graduates in four years for Four years and plus six months, you have an interest free student loan. So if you borrow $3,000, four years later, you still only owe $3,000 because the federal government's paying the interest on that loan. An unsubsidized Stafford loan, you're still eligible for it. However, uh interest is capitalized. So the federal government's not paying interest on that loan. So if you start off at $3,000, uh, the interest rate, you know, it varies from one year to the next or whatever. Currently, I believe the interest rate on um a federal Stafford loan is, let's see. For undergraduate student, is 5.05% for um, loans borrowed after July 1st, 2018. So interest has been accumulating for the past um, four years. So you owe more than $3,000 in that case here. So subsidized is better than unsubsidized staff loans. Um, but I look at it as an investment. If you need the unsubsidized staff loan as well as the subsidized staff loan to finance your education, you know, definitely do what needs to be done. Because, you know, ideally, you'll graduate in four years, you'll get a great job, and you'll start making repayments, and you'll be able to pay it back.
0: Excellent. So let's get real, 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 Keith Williams, because I have friends and 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 I and I don't. And this is so it's a it's always a hard conversation because students. I think it's so important for students to come and get an education, but what happens when they fall into like academic probation? Like, do they still qualify for financial aid, or are they like what happens with that? Because I know sometimes students come and they struggle, and it's their first year of college. And if they're dependent on that financial aid service and they don't do well academically, what happens in this situation? How many, what, what happens? Can you explain yeah, a so, so that? So basically as an
1: undergraduate student, in order to qualify for um, federal financial aid, and institutional financial aid, you have to meet what we call satisfactory ag- academic progress. And so basically it means you have to be doing well academically. Keep your GPA above a 2.0. You have to be um, completing the courses that you actually take. And you have to graduate within a reasonable um, time frame here. And so if, in fact, the student, let's just use the GPA, for example, um, falls below um, a 2.0 and they're placed on academic probation from the university, you're also placed on probation as far as warning status as far as your financial aid is concerned as well here. So what that means is that you have one semester in order to get your GPA above a 2.0 again. If you fail to get your GPA above a 2.0, you are placed in something called denial status here, which means that you're not eligible for Title IV financial aid anymore, you know, you may be able to enroll in a, as a student if, in fact, you um, are working with your academic advisor, and they say you can still enroll and be on final probation given your circumstances. If that happens, you can file what we call an appeal. You know, basically, you know, it says that, you know, I fell below a 2.0. Here's why. And here's my plan of attack in order to get my GPA above a 2.0 as we move forward here. And so you fill out those forms, and your academic advisor has to sign off on it as well and submit that to our office. And if it's approved, you can once again qualify financially on a probationary status, and we'll kind of monitor your um, academic progress after the end of the semester and see exactly where things lie here. But you're right, Michael. In order to um, be eligible for financial aid, you do have to meet and satisfy your academic progress here on a regular basis for um, undergraduate students as well as graduate students.
0: Yeah, no, I I just, because I know I always find, you know, not a lot of students, and it's always unfortunate when I do work with students and, and that's what their issue is. And you kind of have to evaluate, like, why they got there or, you know, how can we fix this? And I know that you all have different... Uh, right, different steps before it gets to where it's like, you know, we have to make sure that you're being successful as a student before Mm -hmm. we can provide this, you know, this money to you that's helping you pay for your academics. So Mm -hmm. just if you all listening out there, make sure that you take, you know, your academics seriously, because there's great resources on campus. And a lot of these scholarships, there is a GPA minimum sometimes. And you want to make sure that you can take advantage of the resources to save and keep money in your pockets. So my next question is for graduate students. I'm a graduate student and I wasn't aware yet when how am I gonna pay for graduate school. I wanted to continue my higher education. And I, from my understanding, as a graduate student, you can't qualify for f- like financial aid, but you can qualify for loans. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? How does that work? Kind of, Do you-, um,
1: you know, um, loans are a part of the financial aid process as well, mm-hmm. you are correct. Uh, most graduate students only qualify for unsubsidized student loans um, which might include a staffer loan or potentially a graduate plus loan here. Um, those loans, the interest is, is capitalized here, so uh, interest is accruing from day one from time of disbursement here. But just by filling out the free application for federal student aid, worst case, you're definitely going to qualify for um, the unsubsidized staffer loan, assuming you haven't reached your cumulative loan limits here. And with the graduate plus loan, you know you can apply for that. There's a credit worthiness check involved with that here. So assuming you pass that graduate um Uh, plus credit check, you can qualify for that as well here. And those are the resources that most graduate students outside of outside uh, scholarships and fellowships use to finance their education here.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for answering all of my questions today about the Financial Aid Office. Keith, is there anything that I probably left out or that you think it's important for our listeners to know about the Financial Aid Office?
1: No, Michael, you were very thorough. You had some excellent questions. The one thing I want to kind of go over again is to make sure, no matter what, no matter who you are, fill out the free application for Federal Student Aid. Go to FAFSA.gov and get that form completed as soon as possible. October 1, 2018 was the beginning cycle for the fall semester 2019, spring semester 2020, um, eight years. So get that form filled out as soon as possible. It's really easy to do, and we'll get your results at Michigan State University, and we'll send you out an award notification kind of letting you know what you're eligible for here.
0: Awesome, Keith. Well, that's right. Y'all heard it here first. The financial aid office is located in the Student Services Building. It's right across the Broad Museum. So make sure to go check it out if you want to talk to uh, one of the the advisors, the financial aid advisors, for any questions that you may have. I know that they would be more than happy to help you and answer any questions that you may have. Awesome. Thank you, Keith, for being here.
1: Thanks again, Michael, for having me.